Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Randy Mitchell. Jesus said to his disciples, Ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and Light confronts the difficult and often controversial issues that affect today's culture. The only hope for this generation is for more people to follow Jesus Christ and for his followers to be salt and light in their community. Pastor Randy will discuss the Bible solutions to help us know what God says about the problems we face today. Salt and Light is a ministry of Temple Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. Here's your host, Pastor Randy Mitchell. Good morning. Welcome to Salt and Light. What a pleasure and joy it is to be with you today. We appreciate you tuning in, and uh, perhaps you're on your way to work this morning. Whatever is going on this early Tuesday morning, it is a joy to be with you. I've got uh, one of my regular special guests with us here this morning, Brother Ben Smoker. He is an evangelist out of our church, uh, also just a faithful part of Temple Baptist Church, Sunday school teacher, plays the guitar, fills the pulpit, uh, just uh, does so many things to be a blessing to our congregation. And uh, also um, he travels around the country from time to time, not full time, but part time, Mm -hmm. uh, preaching God's word. And uh, as many of you listeners, if you're familiar with Brother Ben, he is originally from Australia. He is a U.S. citizen now and uh, a friend of mine. I appreciate you, Brother Ben. Uh, How are things this morning? Uh, it's six oh something a.m. <laughs> Early in the morning. Uh, it, it's it's fine. Although I, I must say these first few hours of I'm normally up by now, but I'm normally alone by now. Yeah. <laughs> I I get it. I'm the same way with me. I'm an early riser, but uh, not usually. Always out here doing radio broadcast. Uh, many times we pre-record a um, few days before, but. Uh, when I have a guest uh, that has a work schedule that uh, mm-hmm. we need to accommodate that by going live on Tuesday mornings, I certainly uh, enjoy doing that. And uh, it's always a pleasure to be here on Salt and Light together. We've had some good times in the past. I think it's been several months since yep. you have been on Salt and Light with us. And a lot of good things have been going on. We've been having a lot of guests. Um, last week, Pastor Jason Boger from Northmont Baptist Church. And we've been having some local preachers and so forth. I think coming up next week, uh, I got my, uh, my trusty sidekick back, Brother Max Robinson. And uh, normally he has been with me quite a bit. But like I said, we've had a lot of uh, different special guests coming in. And it's just uh, this broadcast has been a blessing to uh, many, many people, and we're thankful that uh, the Lord has enabled us to have this broadcast to get the truth of God's Word out to people, and uh, that is certainly the desire of our heart. That's the need of this generation that we live in. A lot of, lot of interesting things going on all around us. I know you shared with me here a few days ago that you had an interesting situation that took place. Uh, was that early uh, one morning? I can't it, remember. It was actually a week ago. Hang on, what day is today? Today's Tuesday. It was eight days ago now. It was, it was Monday, of, Monday of last week. Um, I had to be down in Huntersville early for some, some work commitments down in, in Huntersville, and I was on the drive back from, from there probably, I think, based on all of the photographs that I've taken and everything, probably quarter past nine in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, it, it probably made the news. A lot of people here in Statesville would have, would have heard about... Um, now there've been two very significant ones. It's happened twice lately, which is which is sad. Um, uh, but I I was uh, eyewitness to a wreck on Interstate 77, uh, which was a head-on collision, um, which is not something you should ever hear said. 
Um, the whole purpose, interstate. whole purpose of interstates is let's keep let's keep north from south and south from north and east from west and west from east. But um, every now and then bad things happen, and and I happen to happen to be eyewitness to to one of those accidents, um, and it was it was quite an event. You know, we hear that from time to time, and oftentimes because it's on the interstate and it's head on, uh, usually they end up being pretty either fatal or a very, very serious accident. And yes. I, I have looked at that and tried to figure out some of these on-ramp and off-ramps off and how do people get confused and end up going the wrong way on an interstate. I, I've yet to really figure that out. I'm sure that in many cases there is uh, uh, either uh, health considerations that cause it or uh, perhaps even drugs and alcohol. Uh, we don't always know, but mm -hmm. uh, I've always tried to figure out how that happens, but sadly it does happen, and thankfully this was not a fatality. It, it was not, uh, and as I saw it happening, that's fully what I expected to see. Um, it was, uh, I, I saw, uh, and by the way, regarding the exit ramps and things like that, it is part of, um, it is part of national uh, interstate highway code that there has to be those great big red wrong way signs mm -hmm. um, on the exit ramps so that these things don't happen. So it is fair to say that, you know, the drivers who do this, they literally, they literally don't see or they ignore the quote unquote warning signs uh, mm -hmm. that, that very clearly says in big red letters, wrong way. Um, but in, in this particular case, um, yeah, I was expecting to see a, either a very, very badly maimed uh, person or, or a deceased person. And um, when, I, uh, when I arrived at, at the vehicle, um, I, I saw it before it happened. I, I was, uh, as I was driving along, I was heading northbound on 77 and um, it was still early enough in the morning. There had been a little bit of rain around. It was overcast and so most cars had their headlights on. And so my, out of my peripheral vision, I'm seeing white headlight, white headlight, white headlight. And then I saw a red tail light and I thought, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. And I saw numerous cars manage to swerve out of his way before the almost inevitable happened. Uh, and, and the collision was, was gigantic. It was, it was big you enough. You actually heard it on the other, oh, yeah. Yeah. The other side of yeah. the interstate. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's not a pretty sound of course and um mm -hmm. the but the side of both both vehicles the back ends of them rose up in the air as they as they struck front on it was you know it was the classic movie scene sort of sort of accident and mm -hmm. uh, i went went to the to the back door of the of the vehicle um I, I remember i don't know if i've been trained or heard but i know that you're not supposed to open a driver's door immediately after an accident uh the shock can cause them to lash out violently in some situations so i opened the the door behind the driver and i'm like you know are you okay uh not expecting to hear anything he's like yeah i'm hurting i'm hurting but i'm okay mm -hmm. and i'm like wow mm -hmm. uh and you know that's a, a thing sort of un unfolded uh from there i was able to uh, offer some some assistance to him but um which, which turned out really well. And by the time the paramedics arrived on, on scene, I, I moved from the driver's uh, driver's side. I know that you're supposed to get um, the airbag smoke isn't good. So I told him, I said, I'm going to open all your doors. I know it's a little cool out here, but I said, Bless, we got to get this smoke out of you so you're not breathing this bad airbag smoke. And he appreciated that. And I, I'm not a medic, so I wasn't able to offer any medical assistance. Um, 
he, he did have a, a fairly significant uh, fracture to, to his arm and was in a lot of pain. Um, but when the paramedics arrived before I left, I went around to the passenger side and just sat in there with him for a minute. And I said, do you mind if I pray for you? And he was just so thankful that, that someone had prayed for him. And long story short, this man's a, a saved man, attends a Baptist church in, in the Mooresville area. Uh, and his wife texted me later that day to say that it was like it was a God thing that I was there at that time uh, to offer some, not just assistance, but also assurance to him. And, and he said that he'd been in a, in a pretty bad state of panic. Uh, mm. But just the fact that, that God had sent someone to pray with him uh, helped him to understand in that moment that whilst he was in a lot of pain, he knew that things were going to be okay and that the Lord would, would help him through. Well, that's a wonderful story. And then the driver that was going the wrong way, he was okay as well. And so uh, that's, a, that's a blessing that you didn't have to see something that uh, would cause you ongoing stress. Folks, we're going to talk about the Word of God here in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Andy Mitchell here and Ben Smoker. Welcome back. It's good to be with you here this morning. The first segment, we were talking about an incident that happened with you, Brother Ben, uh, last week, going mm -hmm. uh, northbound on I-77 and uh, actually saw a head-on collision on the southbound lane as you were passing, and uh, you were able to go over no fatalities, no serious injuries. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were able to pray with one of the gentlemen, the driver who was going the wrong way. He was, I believe, completely uninjured. Yeah, yeah. He, he jumped out of his, his vehicle and sort of calmly walked to the back of his truck, leaned up against the guardrail and and lit up one of those little little things that seems to bring peace and comfort to some people. Lit up a cigarette, <laughs> and uh, thankfully you were able to help the other gentleman out and uh, have a word of prayer with him and be a source of comfort. And yep. I know when you shared this story with me, I believe it was the next day or two days later when we were talking and you were sharing this story, and um, there were all kinds of analogies, uh, things yeah. that what you witnessed made some Bible truth, it just kind of made it um, meaningful. And so yes. let's talk about some of those things, some of those lessons that you learned, some things that you saw physically take place that have a spiritual lesson. What's the first mm -hmm. thing that came to your mind? Well, um, in, in the heat of the moment, I didn't want to sit down and prepare a sermon outline. Um, however, the moment I got back to my car and, and you know, closed the door and drove back north up towards Statesville, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, a verse. And it's a verse that's almost identical. There's one word difference, the word which and the word that. Um, but the, the verse is repeated twice in the book of Proverbs, once in chapter 14, once in chapter 16. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, in this instance, fortunately, it wasn't Literally, literally the way of death. Um, however, there was a similar incident in Statesville recently, which sadly was. But the thing that the thing that um, came to my mind was that this man, the man who had driven the wrong direction, uh, I didn't see any indication that it was intentional on his part. Uh, I don't think that this was a, a mad, crazed man. Uh, and by the way, we're trying to be. Uh, I know the name of the driver that was not at 
at fault. Um, and we're not mentioning his name this morning here on the radio or anything like that, trying to keep it as anonymized as possible. But the, the at fault driver, uh, I don't see any sign that he was a, you know, a crazed man trying to bring an end to himself or anyone else. I, I think that he honestly thought that he was heading in, in the correct direction. And yet he clearly wasn't. Uh, and when I first saw him, uh, th all of this takes place in a few seconds. Things move very quickly in these mm -hmm. situations. And But in that short few seconds, one of the thoughts that came to my mind while I was literally out loud, I was the only person in my car, but I was out loud saying, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. It doesn't make a lick of difference uh, at that point. It's just this horrible frustration of wanting to be able to do something and not being able to. Mm -hmm. But I, I was watching his vehicle, and I'm like, hit the brakes at least, like pump the brakes. If, if you'll at least stop, the impact isn't going to be as big. But I happened to notice that he, he didn't even hit the brakes at the last moment before impact for some reason. He just continued unabated. And, and to me, that reminds me of the, the vast majority, sadly, the vast majority of people in this world today not according to me, not according to yourself, but according to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that go in thereat. So it's not my opinion, uh, people out there, if you, you listen to saying, where's he get his ideas from? I get them straight from the big old black book. Jesus said that most people are going the wrong way. And sadly, just like that confused motorist, they're not even pumping the brakes. Yeah. And you know, something that I've noticed, Brother Ben, is we all know that you don't have a complete consensus regarding life. Everybody doesn't agree on what's true, what's false, what's right, what's wrong. There's never been complete agreement and never will be. And so sometimes people think that, well, you can't be absolutely right. You can't know absolute truth. We believe that you can because we believe that our creator gave us his word. The Bible itself says of itself that thy word is truth. And so if there's going to be any source of truth, it's certainly not going to be from something that man created. Mm -hmm. It's going to be from something that the creator created. And that's a very interesting truth because oftentimes people will find a sense of security in looking around. It's like, well, the way that I see life is the way that my peers see life. The people around me, my family, the people I go to school with, the people that I work with, they'll just kind of gravitate toward the majority. And like you just said, Jesus warned that broad is the way that mm -hmm. leads to destruction and many there be. If you're just going along with the crowd or the majority of the, the, your peer group of what you see, if you're going with what the universities are teaching, what is, uh, I guess we would say, mainstream, then that's a pretty good indicator that your security in the way that you're going, the way that seemeth right unto a man, your security is a false sense of security. And uh, uh, people need to wake up because just like this gentleman, he's going down the wrong way. There's signs. There's all kinds of indicators. Yep. Even if he didn't see the signs, certainly you see all these headlights are heading toward me. You know, yeah. yep. I, I, I need to I need to get off the road, you know. But a lot of times people just assume what are these idiots doing on my side of the road when 
really we're the ones that are being the idiots because yep. we just were deceived. And I think that the truth there is that we all need to understand that without the truth of God's word, we are all very easily deceived because of our human nature. Yes. Yeah. And I've been there uh, in my life. There was a time when I was I was going the wrong direction, but um, I I knew it when I was. Uh, didn't enjoy it when I was, and uh, you know, if anyone asked me and say, "Well, why didn't you just stop?" Uh, it's almost like you can get to a point where where it feels like it's it's you feel hopelessness, like I, I can't get out of the way. Things will get worse if I try. And um, I, I really, I'd love to know what was going through that guy's mind. Um, you know, as he was driving the wrong way and seeing everything coming towards him. But I'd also love to know what's going through the minds of people in this world today who are just just going going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, the moral fabric of society is is going the wrong way, uh, and of course, people will they will say about how you know progressive we are as a society, and uh, and yet if you get them one on one without anyone else around and say you know and ask them, do you really think this is a good idea, the direction that society's headed? An honest person will say, no, it isn't. Well, but, but the peer pressure, the peer pressure right. is horrendous. You know, one could say that uh, the, the definition of a fool is someone who does the same thing over and over again, expecting or hoping for a different result. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a different result because the result you're getting is associated with what you're doing. And, you know, people today can argue for their way, the way that seemeth right unto them. I, just as you, there was times in my life where I was going the wrong direction. And I had it figured out in my mind. I had it justified. I had my arguments made. And I would be very passionate about it. But just like you, I knew the reason that I was being so defensive is because down deep in my heart, I knew that I was wrong. And I was just trying to prove that my way is right because I didn't want to have to deal with my own conscience. And so it it is obvious. It's human nature there. And the fool expects different results. I look at our culture and how things are around us. People make the arguments against God, against the Bible. We're dinosaurs or we're hypocrites. We're Pharisees. You you name it. They'll... They'll cast all kinds of accusations toward Christianity, saying that our way is right, and yet we look around, it's, and, and I always want to say, how's that working for you? Mm-hmm. It's not working. You know, everything yep. around us, morally, spiritually, uh, physically, is on the decline. People's health, people's mental health, you name it, is all on the decline. Uh, it is in bad condition and yet people are still being defensive of their way of life. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that's um, super sad. And what you mentioned there is the mental health issue. Um, I think that only, only the average you know, family doctor knows what they're prescribing. Um, but statistically, and the statistics are probably underreported, but statistically one in every three adults in this nation is taking some form of medication to deal with a mental health issue. Yeah. One in three. That's that's frightening. Yeah. 
And and that's it's like I'm going to continue down this way. And listen, I'm not saying that everyone no, that has no. mental health absolutely not that it's it's a spiritual problem or a moral problem. I know there are physiological problems out there, mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter is, is you take the amount of people that are on medicines, and then you look at many times that could be a life change could get them off of that medicine, could you know uh, whether it be a physical problem. You know, a lot of times people, they don't want to change their diet and their exercise. They just want to take a pill to relieve all of the symptoms. And the pill, over time, that medicine just continues to create more uh, organ failure, organ problems, and all the different things that are associated. And if they would just step back and say, look, I'm going the wrong way in my life. I'm making poor decisions. I need to change. I need to go a different direction. It doesn't happen quickly. You know, you take a, take a prescription medicine and you can get positive results from that in 24 hours sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the lifestyle change, you got to say, hey, I was wrong. I'm going the wrong way. And sometimes that, that in and of itself, no pun intended, yep. is a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> and so we are, uh, we're about uh, through with this segment yep. and getting ready to go to a break. Any last thoughts? Um, no, but I, I do like where you're going with that because um, I was that person once. I was the person on blood pressure meds, told by my doctors I'd be on those for literally for the rest of my life. And yet I made the lifestyle changes, changed my diet, changed uh, exercise patterns and things like that. And I'm off of meds and, and more healthy now at 51 years old than I was at 31 years old. Yeah, that, what a blessing. Yep. What a what a, another analogy right there of life. And mm-hmm. so folks, we uh, stay tuned. We'll be back here right after the break. back. We're here with uh, Brother Ben Smoker. Brother Ben, we've been talking about that accident that you um, saw here last week and how that you uh, were able to get some lessons, some um, metaphors, analogies, I guess would be the right term, analogies from that. And uh, I think that last segment we had some mm-hmm. good things talking about the way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof were the ways of death. Uh, all of our ways that we think that we're living our life, we, we may think that we're right, but the end result, all of us are going to die. And according to the Bible, we're all going to stand before our creator. And he's the one that knows what the right way is. And of course, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. All of our defenses, all of our arguments and justifications will, uh, when we stand before God, it's not going to hold any water with him and we're going to be judged and that's the thing that we need to remember i like in fact i love having the security that i can live my life according to something that's much higher than my own mental processes much higher than what the professors say at a university many of which maybe they have an education and they have a lot of knowledge but many of them uh, can be uh, despicable human beings, and uh, they they really don't care about people. And so I, I'm glad that I have a book here that I can follow. And you know what? It's worked pretty well. 
you know, I haven't always followed it like I should. Uh, I desire to. But whenever I've had problems in my life, uh, it's not been because I followed this book, mm-hmm. uh, or at least real problems. Sometimes you have problems from being doing the right thing, but in the end, you get through it, and you're better and you're stronger. Many people out there, their lives end up being destroyed uh, because they will not face the fact that, hey, I'm going the wrong way. I need to turn around. And so I, I appreciate that you um, made an analogy out of something that you witnessed. And that is something that I've always admired about you is your ability to think and to process. Uh, I, I always, a lot of times when people ask me difficult Bible questions that my mind, my mental processes are not able to consume massive amounts of scripture and keep it all into perspective. I, I tend to kind of look at things fairly simple. And uh, I'll, sometimes I'll say, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Go talk to Brother Ben, <laughs> because uh, I've always admired that about you. You have a a very sharp mind when it comes to the Bible and Bible doctrine and prophecy and so forth. And so I appreciate that about you. You Mm -hmm. shared with me recently a word study that you were doing, and I thought, wow, that is awesome. We should talk about that on the radio. And so I'm going to pass the baton to you and let you talk about it. Yeah. And this is one that came my way almost accidentally. it was uh, during some study that I was doing for something else. Um, as, as you know, I was uh, teaching on, on Sunday night at church on a passage in uh, Timothy, uh, one of the most controversial passages of, of Scripture, the verse that says, uh, but without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And in, in teaching that passage and studying out that passage uh, for our church, um, which, by the way, uh, for anyone out there who's wondering, um, if you've got your Bible uh, handy or if you're even familiar with your Bible this morning, uh, I would challenge you to to check and see. Does mine say that? Does my Bible say that God was manifest in the flesh? Um, a lot of the modern English translations do not say that anymore. They say something along the lines of "Who was manifest in the flesh" or he which was manifest in the flesh, or he that was manifest in the flesh, but they take the word God out of um, so many of the English translations nowadays, uh, and they will tell you that the, um, the manuscript evidence, the Greek manuscript evidence, leans towards that, and they say that the evidence for God manifest in the flesh is incredibly weak. Uh, and I prove this out uh, very comprehensively. Not, and not, that's not me being arrogant and saying that. I, I prove the evidence. Um, there are 252 witnesses for God manifest in the flesh, and only two witnesses for He was manifest in the flesh. And of those two witnesses, uh, one of them, the people who saw that manuscript, manuscript Aleph, um, hundreds of years ago. There is historical evidence that every single per- person who witnessed that text um, said that it's clear that it did say God was manifest in the flesh, but a, um, a copyist had come along later and altered the, the Greek word to make it look more like it said, he who was manifest in the flesh. 
and some of these witnesses who had examined that text, Aleph, actually talked about over time, they're saying, we can see the text physically deteriorating because it's been examined by so many people touching it, getting the oil from their fingers and whatnot on the text. And they said, we can see the deterioration. And one of them even said uh, he could see what was going to happen. He said, in the future, if anyone examines this text, they may say that it says he was manifest in the flesh. But I assure you that I myself saw it 20 years earlier, and it was much more clear 20 years ago than what it is now. Uh, and so when you put that into light, it's not 252 witnesses versus two. It's actually 253 witnesses versus one. Uh, and so studied all of that out, showed that evidence uh, to and, the... And yet I apologize for yep. interrupting, but and yet all the other Bible versions, other than the King James Version, yep. most of them, not all of them, but most of them change it to he who was manifest in yes. the flesh instead of God was manifest in the flesh, yes. including, and I just double-checked while we were uh, talking here, uh, the most popular uh, English version today, you find it in most of the contemporary churches, is mm -hmm. the ESV, yep. the English Standard Version. And I just double-checked. I was pretty sure I knew the answer, yeah. but it leaves out God was manifest in the flesh. Yes. And so, it, it, you know, it proves it's an inaccurate translation. And there are, I mean, there are literally thousands upon thousands of other places that it is an inaccurate Bible, but it is popular. And very, very so, so the the mindset, the way that seemeth right unto a man, the mindset of people is, well, this is the most popular. I want to have the most popular version. And they're trying to just be like everybody else. And rather than really take seriously that I want a Bible that's pure. Mm -hmm. I want a Bible that's true. And you say, well, it's hard to understand. Well, it's really not if you just spend time in it. Nope. And people want a Bible that's easy to understand without actually spending time in it. And, you know, God's not interested. He's not just spoon-feeding truth out there. He's offering truth to people who genuinely desire truth. But the problem is, is this generation of Christians, and sadly uh, to say, uh, really isn't interested in absolute truth. They just want to be popular. They want to be yep. cool. Yep. And that is certainly a way that seemeth right unto a man, but it's not going in the right direction. Um, no coincidence that there's only one English translation which says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Hmm. All of the new ones say, be diligent but they don't tell you to study. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we really do need to study. Um, you know, God's, God's method is get out there and get some elbow grease, put in some, put in some hard work. Um, now, we said all of that to get to, and we still haven't got to, um, in studying that passage in 1 Timothy, um, one of the verses leading up to it, Paul said to Timothy, he said, but if I tarry long, uh, I've written these things that thou mightest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. And Paul said, if I tarry long. And that got me thinking about the use of the word tarry uh, in the Bible. And so I started uh, going off and studying out how that word tarry is used. And it's, a, it's fascinating that in the, uh, specifically in the context of the New Testament, um, there is a connection between the word tarry and the Lord's return. Mm. Um, and, and the first time you see the word tarry used in, in the New Testament um, it, it says, um, but while, they, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slept and slumbered. 
Uh, and of course, the bridegroom in the Bible is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, his church being the bride. Um, and that parable there, it's in uh, Matthew chapter 25, talking about the, the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. And um, so it's interesting if, if that's right, if, you know, if that's a reference to the Lord, and it is, uh, and if the concept of the wedding is a reference to the, the rapture, the Lord's return and the second coming um, and the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is spoken of in the book of Revelation, uh, the fact that the first thing that we see there is that uh, is that the Lord tarried. And that's honestly to, to Christians worldwide. One of the greatest surprises of our generation is that the Lord hasn't returned mm -hmm. yet. He's, it, it's like he's tarried. It's like he's, he's delayed um, in, in his coming. And the last time, so if that's the first time you see the word tarry, the last time is equally significant. The last time the word tarry gets used in the New Testament is in Hebrews 10, verse 37, uh, which says, Yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. So you've got these two bookends. Uh, here of, of, of Bible prophecy, where Matthew, at the beginning of the New Testament, first time the word tarry gets used, Matthew says, uh, the bridegroom tarried, and Hebrews says, he's not going to tarry. <laughs> uh, he, he will come and will not tarry. And, and you think, well, that's strange. But if that sounds strange, listen to this one. One of the last times the word tarry gets used in the Old Testament, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, it says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, positive, it is, it is tarrying. Mm -hmm. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Mm -hmm. In the space of one verse, it almost contradicts itself. It says, it's tarrying, but it's not going to tarry. Mm -hmm. And Matthew says, the bridegroom tarried. And Hebrew says, he's not going to tarry. Uh, and so what is this? I, I think that what the Bible is teaching us from the use of the word tarry here is that there is somewhat of a delay. It feels like a delay, but very soon now, God's prophecy clock is, it's almost like things are going to accelerate. It will not tarry. Yeah. Uh, and things are going to start moving and they're going to start moving really, really quick. Well, the day with the Lord is as a thousand years. God has a different perspective. It's just a few moments for God, but it seems like a long time for us. Yes. Let's talk more about this in our final segment. segment. Yep. Stay tuned, folks. talking about the prophetic implications of the word tarry in uh, the Bible and the Word of God and uh, how it is associated with the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, Brother Ben, when I was just, uh, just a little boy back in the early 70s, I can remember a really bad uh, thunder and lightning storm that hit uh, my hometown, Nampa, Idaho. And I, I remember it was, we didn't get a whole lot of yeah. huge thunderstorms, yep. but this one was a doozy. And I can remember we're in the living room and my mom, this was the time when my mom and dad had either just gotten right with the Lord or they were, they were, God was working in their heart. And I can remember 
uh, I don't remember if it was my mom or my dad, them saying, "Is I wonder if the Lord's returning. I mean, it was just such a impact that they immediately thought, is this the return of the Lord? Is something um, huge happening here? And I remember as just a little boy, it's like, wow, uh, tell me about this. And so my parents back in the 70s, they felt pretty certain that they were, that the Lord was going to return then. And I can remember my my mom saying that I believe that uh, the Lord's going to come back soon and that we're going to live to see it. Well, my mom's been in heaven now for five or six, uh, I lose track of time. She's been in heaven for over five years. My dad's been in heaven for going on close to 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so they did not get to see it. I felt, you know, I, I look at the way our culture's going and how it matches the signs of the end times. And it's like, wow, we all, every believer thinks it's got to happen soon because all of the signs and symptoms of what the Bible prophesies, it's all around us. And yet, who knows? It, it may not happen in our lifetime. Our children may, uh, may, we may get to see our grandchildren. We may get to see them. We don't know when it's going to happen because, like I said right before the end of last uh, segment, God's timing is way different than ours. He measures time so differently. Yes. To us, a long time is just but a moment to him. And so he is not tarrying to try to torture us. He just has a big, he has the big picture in mind. He knows, yep. he knows what he's doing, and he doesn't bother to explain everything to us. He gives us some indication of what's going on. Yep. He gives us what we need to know in order to trust him, but he doesn't bother to let us in on everything that's going on in his mind. Right, yeah. Very common in the Old Testament. I haven't got them all written down, but there's probably a dozen, maybe more places in, in prophetic books in the Old Testament where the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus are in the same verse and they're separated by a comma, a semicolon, or a colon. Mm -hmm. Like, that's 2,000 years you just separated with a comma there, Lord. Like, you do think mm -hmm. differently than we do about time. Uh, and um, it's interesting, at the Olympics, and this is an Olympic year this year, um, uh, Paris is going to have the Olympics, I believe, in the month of July this year. Um, historically, I don't know if it's the case this time, but historically, the official time timepiece at the Olympics has always been the Omega brand of, of watches have um, been the official timekeepers. And, you know, Jesus said in Revelation, he said, I am the Alpha and Omega, mm -hmm. uh, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Um, it's no coincidence that that watch company named themselves uh, Omega um, it is a reference to time. And Jesus is, he is the time. He's the standard of time by which all time is judged. And um. I don't remember if it was Lester Roloff or Vance Havner. They were two of my favorite, the old school preachers. But yeah. one of them said that God refuses to run his big train on my little train track. Yeah. Uh, and that is to say that God doesn't do things in our time because it's convenient for us. He does things in his time when it's convenient for him. Mm -hmm. But he gave us all of the clues there uh, in, in the Bible. Um, you know, Jesus said, if I come in the second watch or in the third watch, what is that to thee? 
uh, indicating that the, the second coming may be late in the second millennium or early in the third millennium. So I, that's round about where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, Habakkuk says that after two days, talking about the nation of Israel, after two days, he'll revive us. In the third day, we shall live in his sight. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be getting close, got to be getting close. But even Paul on that word tarry, another clue, because Paul himself is a picture of the, the church age. And that passage I was talking about before, Paul said, but if I tarry long, does the church age go a little longer than we thought it was going to? So Paul drops that little hint there, if I tarry long. It's lovely what he said, that thou mightest know how thou oughtest to what behave, behave thyself. thyself. What's the biggest problem we have in the contemporary church? They don't know how to behave themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet Paul said, I gave you instructions here so that if the church age does go longer than it should and behavior starts to deteriorate, if you want to know how you ought to be behaving, Christians, it's all written there. Uh, and the behavior that the Lord expects when he t- in that passage that he talks, he's talking about uh, bishops and deacons and elders, and he's talking about them being sober-minded uh, and and serious. Um, I saw, and, and I didn't write this in my notes. I didn't want to go off on this tangent necessarily, but late last night I was watching a, a little clip on YouTube where there was a, a a Christian author there who was exposing some of the things that's going on in churches. Not only are churches having Super Bowl themes nowadays, that's not that surprising that some churches are doing it, but he showed video footage of dozens of churches where the pastors, instead of dressed like a preacher on the Sunday, were wearing the, the, the team clothing of their team on Super Bowl Sunday, getting a little bit sacrilegious at that point. They turned the church service, this one church that he was showing, they turned the church service into a Super Bowl football game, and they had two preachers from the church standing on opposing sides. They had another preacher in the middle who was going to be the referee for the game. They flipped a coin to see who was going to preach the word first and and kick off to the other preacher. They literally put a Bible on the ground, and one of them punted the Bible downfield to the other. And everyone in the congregation thought it was hilarious and wonderful. They're kicking the Bible around on the stage. Folks, that's not how we ought to be behaving ourselves in the house of God. Paul warned us that maybe the church age does tarry long, and he's like, we've got to be behaving ourselves. That's not the right behavior. Yeah. That's, that's blasphemous. Well, it seems like the modern church, the whole theme is not how to behave yourself. It's just all about how you feel about yourself. Or and and mm-hmm. just like what you that that's just amazing. I've never even heard of that story in churches going that far. I've been saying it for all of my ministry that you continue to move the line, and people are always going to be pushing it. You start going down the path of compromise, making things uh, sacrilegious for the sake of entertainment. You know, people are looking at that. Oh, that's so cool. That's so awesome, because it's not traditional. Anything that's traditional Mm -hmm. is dinosaur, old-fashioned, and yet what we need to be doing is we need to be getting back to the Word of God, the the holy things of God, things that are sacred. Everything that's sacred from God's perspective, man has corrupted it. Every institute, the family, 
marriage. I mean, you look at wedding ceremonies today, you don't see anything that's sacred, you see a party. You see it's all about just, uh, it, it's almost like this is a Hollywood type uh, demonstration rather than something that is sacred. Mm -hmm. Everything in today's society, the way that seemeth right unto a man, people are loving it because it's cutting edge, it's new, and it, it, it's what everybody else is doing. We can be Christian and we can be cool, we can be popular, and what's happened is the church has lost its credibility yep. with the world. And the gospel yep. message, when the church loses its credibility, the messenger has no credibility, so the message is no longer listened to. We're about out of yep. time. Last thoughts, yeah. Brother Ben? Um, so Paul did clearly say, I might tarry long, but every, you know, any delay, any tarrying, people always, this is, there's this saying, you're just delaying the inevitable. inevitable. And it's going to happen, folks. Yet a little while, he that shall come will come and will, will not tarry. And Paul, um, one of the things that he said was he said that he, he said, I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. Uh, and of course, Pentecost is very significant. The church age began at Pentecost with Peter's preaching. Paul says, I'll tarry until Pentecost. Jesus, when Jesus ascended up into heaven, he ascended up um, seven days before Pentecost. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there definitely appears to be that, that connection to the Lord's return. And whilst I'm not saying that it's going to happen uh, necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying it's going to happen at this year. But boy, every year when we get to late February and so on, uh, I was down in Charlotte yesterday. A lot of the cherry blossoms are out and, you know, the explosion of pink has begun down there in Charlotte. And uh, we get to this time of year where we're heading towards spring and, and it just always uh, it, I'll never stop being excited about the thought that one of these years the Lord's going to return and my personal opinion is when he does it'll likely be after Easter uh, as in after Passover uh, and probably right around that time of Pentecost and I, I get excited and I think that we ought to live like we're well prepared uh, Christians out there be prepared if you're not a Christian become one today Amen, Amen, God bless you folks We appreciate you taking the time to join us at Salt and Light. It is our desire that you experience the joy of following Jesus Christ. He loves you, and He died on the cross for your sins. He will give you hope, peace, and eternal life if you will repent of your sins and trust Him as your Savior. You may see yourself as a good person, but you will never be good enough to deserve heaven. You may see yourself as bad, but you can never be too bad for Jesus to forgive you. You can call upon him to save you this very moment. If you are a born-again Christian, we want to encourage you to obey Christ's command and be salt and light to those around you. We encourage you to find a Bible-believing church that does not compromise or water down the Bible. And get involved serving the Lord. If you have a Bible question or a particular issue you would like us to discuss on Salt and Light, visit our website at templebaptistnc.com. Click on the Salt and Light link. Once again, that's templebaptistnc.com. May the Lord bless you. We hope you'll join us again next week. Serving you better than ever before. 105.9 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, Morrisville, North Charlotte.